Hello, and welcome to Sip Sip Hooray, the podcast. I'm Mary Babbitt. I'm Mary Orland. You've come to the place where wine is always fun. You sure have. This is a podcast designed to make wine interesting, fun, and accessible. We want to inspire you to learn something new, to get you out of your Chardonnay and Cabernet rut, and to go out and explore the world of wine with us. On our show, we will be introducing you to people in the wine world who we've met along the way and sharing their stories with you. Some of our episodes will be primarily focused on those interviews. Right, but other episodes will be a mix of news, what's happening in the wine world, so you are in the know, um, recommendations and tips on where to go, some of our favorite places, um, what to do, and what to drink. And we also want to hear from you. One thing that we want to do on this podcast is to invite you in. So we want you to go to our website, sipsipparaypodcast.com, and you can learn there how to submit a question to us that we'll answer on the air. You can actually record your question, send it to us, and we'll answer it on the air. That's right. And you can also find all of our social media buttons there. So you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right, so some of you may remember a little television show that Mary Orlin and I did on NBC, and it was called In Wine Country. I was the host of In Wine Country, and Mary Orlin was our executive producer. We had the tough job of traveling all over California, <laughs> going to wineries, but, but we also went to restaurants. We visited with artists, um, musicians, gardeners, anything that had to do with the wine country lifestyle. It was our goal to bring that wine country lifestyle home to you. And that's what we want to do with this show is bring wine country into the recording booth and to take you to places where you can meet some really cool people and learn about some new regions you may not have been to. Our show was a ton of fun to make and we want this podcast to be much the same and we want to take you along on the journey. Um, since the show, the television show, we've both been rather busy. I have had four children and uh, I was pregnant during the show with a couple of them, but I now have four kids and their ages are 12 to 19. Um, so they keep me very busy, obviously. I also do freelance writing freelance voiceover work and on-camera hosting and commercial work as well. But I have to say, the reason I love wine is my four kids and how good a glass of wine tastes at the end of the day with them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've been writing a lot since the show. I started a blog, Wine Fashionista. I was also the wine writer for the Mercury News. Now I'm writing for many publications, including Edible Silicon Valley. And um, I do some wine consulting for restaurants and some wine education. And um, I also took some of that time to get to go back to school. So I studied for the certified sommelier exam. Um, it took me two tries, but I finally passed it. You go, girl. And I did WSET Advanced. And so um, there's, it's been kind of fun to have those credentials. And it's behind me. I'm not going to go for Master Sommelier. That's an, a Herculean <laughs> undertaking. <laughs> well, you're, you're still a master in my book. Oh, and I'm thanks. happy that we have your wine expertise on our podcast. So when you're asking wine questions about varietals and such, Mary Orleans, your go-to girl, because um, she really knows her stuff. I, on the other hand, I just like to drink it. And I'm... I like to meet the people and go to the cool places. And so I'm more uh, the everyman wine drinker. <laughs> but that's what the most fun about wine is just enjoying it, 
just meeting the people. Wine is a very social, congenial drink, and it's meant to be shared. Right. So on today's show, we're going to get right into it. One of our segments we call the Wine Buzz, and that's sharing the latest and greatest in the world of wine with you. So what do we got today? So today, there is um, this very cheeky thing out there called a wine condom. A what? It it really exists, a wine condom. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks like a condom. It comes in that little package, you know, it's all rolled up. (laughs) Like you get out of a vending machine kind of thing? Okay. (laughs) And um, what it does is, um, their tagline is, um, protect your Pinot. Oh, oh, so close. (laughs) So close. But um, basically, um, we all have this... At one time or another, we have a bottle of wine at dinner at home. <laughs> Go ahead. So, I thought you said um, we've know, all seen a condom. <laughs> a glass or two. Then, um, you know, we don't want it to spoil because if you don't protect it, oxygen gets into the bottle. Air is wine's biggest enemy. It will turn it bad within a day or two. So to keep it fresher a day or two longer, what do you do? Some people get these pumps and they try to pump all the air out. That doesn't work. Um, You could pour it into a smaller container, but if you don't have one, what do you do? So, um, and especially if you're on the go, say you're you're on a picnic or you've got that bottle of wine and you don't have a closure for it, you just slip out a condom. (laughs) People often carry them in their wallets or back pockets, (laughs) purse, girls. So basically, you just um, cover the opening and the neck with a condom and um, put it in the refrigerator. It's going to keep your wine fresh for a day or two later. But beyond that, nothing's going to keep your wine fresh that long. And boy, what a conversation piece, right? Exactly. (laughs) All right. Moving from wine condom. Yikes. Never thought I'd say that into a microphone. (laughs) Okay, Mayor, I've got one for you. We've been out on shoots in wine country where there's a um, maybe a, a a bachelorette party or a big celebration group. They're yucking it up. Well, on Long Island, they are just done with this whole notion of bridezilla. Mm -hmm. And several wineries there are starting to fight back against these entourages that come in because they really can be disruptive. I know they're having a good time, but they can be obnoxious. Well, sometimes they arrive, they've already had a few drinks, maybe in the limo, and they kind of arrive and it's just a sea of white and tulle and tiaras and and phones and just noise and craziness and they're there to have a party but if you own a winery what you're there what you're trying to do is have people taste your wine ideally buy your wine Mm -hmm. and sometimes these big groups come in just to strictly have a place to get drunk and in short girls just want to have fun but there's a limit to it and you know we have to share they have to share the tasting room with everybody absolutely so now in long island they're starting to charge and to say no to um bride groups or bachelorette groups so they may charge 20 bucks per person as kind of a fee a disruption fee or they may just say no thank you and what i'm curious to see that whether this whole notion catches on in california in napa and sonoma some of the big wine country areas mm-hmm. will they start saying no to these bridezilla groups they might well we will see yeah and if you've heard of this or you know about it go to our website send us an email and let us know what's going on all right you got anything else anything buzzy for me well the wine world is talking only about the master sommelier cheating scandal and it's actually instead of one of our typical fun stories it's a really serious issue oh i don't know about it tell me i don't know 
there, the master sommelier exam happened a couple months ago, and 24 new master sommeliers were named. And but then they, the court of master sommeliers, who, the ones who administer the exams and um, govern all the protocols for sommeliers around the world, found that somebody cheated, wow. and they found that a master sommelier, somebody already in the ranks probably someone who was administering the test or at least knew the contents of the tasting portion of the exam, leaked those wines, what was going to be tasted to one or more people taking the test. And so all of a sudden, these 24 individuals who, yeah, you've made it, you made the apex of your career, congratulations, you are a master sommelier for life. All of a yeah. sudden, you saw you, you're not a master sommelier anymore. They took everybody's? They took everybody's title away because they felt in light of the allegations of cheating, it was the fairest thing to do. Oh, they didn't know who they could trust and who they couldn't. They don't know who cheated and who didn't. Oh, my goodness. Oh. And this is to become a master sommelier. You know, Mary is stricken. Like, if you could see her face, like, I, this is such hard work. It's crazy. It represents, you know, maybe years of work for people. Years of work, lots of expense because to prepare just for the tasting portion, which is one of three parts. There's a service component. There's also a theory component. But tasting, you have to be able to taste six wines blind in 25 minutes, identify the variety, the region, maybe the vineyard, if it's a vineyard-specific wine, um, the vintage, and talk about the characteristics of this wine. Just based on the little sip you took. Right. Unbelievable. I, so I could never do this. It's not even five minutes of wine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that's a lot. So they're obviously spitting them all out because if you'd be wasted after 25. And, and they're not writing this down. They're doing it orally. So they're talking to a panel of proctors or master psalms. So they're nervous. So they're super nervous anyway. And, you know, and they've probably had to travel to take this exam and they're probably tired and they've gone through all of this stuff. Which is to say it would be a big deal to have to redo it, yes. right? So what, um, so the court of master sommeliers put out a press release um, as soon as they learned about this potential cheating or leaking scandal. And they said that it was a unanimous decision of the court to take the title back from all the 23 people who passed. There was one person who passed. Um, he had done the tasting exam last year in 2017. So his results, there was no question about that. So he's the only one who got to retain the Master Sommelier title. Everyone else like, wah, wah, wah. Wow. I wonder how they found this out. And then yes. also, I guess I'm sorry that whoever did it didn't, doesn't just fess up and say, it was me. And I gave the information to these two or three people. Yes. So far right? that hasn't happened. We hope someone will come clean. Mm -hmm. We hope that we will eventually learn the story of how they even found out. I think I've, I've been on social media reading up lots of responses. Some people think 23 candidates, 24 candidates to pass out of 100, and I think it was 140, 144 candidates. Um, that's unusually high. Usually 
you know, when they announce candidates who've passed, it's like three to five people. Right. Yeah, there's there's 200 something in the world, did you say? Yeah, there's around 200. So it's a notoriously tough exam to pass. Some people have said, why should it be harder to become a master sommelier than a doctor or a lawyer? <laughs> but yeah, I think it might be. But it's... Um, it's it's um, expensive. I mean, some of these folks have already gotten promotions at their companies because, you know, they made it to this level. Mm-hmm. A master psalm can typically make over six figures. Oh my, so it's yeah. significant to your career. Mm-hmm. You're set for life. You can do a number of things. But my heart just goes out to them. I would be crushed if that had happened to me. On I just, you know, I did certified sommelier. And after all that, and, you know, past having to do it twice, and they came back to me and said, sorry. Right. <laughs> Especially if I knew I didn't cheat. So 19 of the 23 sommeliers stripped of their titles have written a letter to the court saying, you know, we just don't feel this was the fairest way to handle it by invalidating our results. We didn't cheat. Um, that doesn't doesn't mean the other however many did or didn't. Mm-hmm. It might just be one person. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know the person who leaked. Um, so there's, you know, there's there's a lot of internal soul searching the court has to do. And, you know, we'll find out eventually. But yeah, this story is not over and we will follow it. We'll bring it. We'll keep you up to date on this. That's right. A little wine scandal. A little wine <laughs> scandal, you know. Sometimes, you know, wine, you know, wine can engender scandals, you know. <laughs> There's all these um, wines that are um, for... Um, counterfeit wine. Oh, yes. I read an article wine. about this yeah. like, where you think you're buying a case, a really rare case, and they're right. fakes. They're fakes, right. Can you imagine? And they usually, you know, have been bought at auction for thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. Oh, it's like art, right? It is like art. So there's the whole counterfeiting controversy scandals. And then there's all the wine thefts. I mean, a couple of years ago, there was a theft at the French Laundry. It made national news. I remember that. Yeah. And with the break in, they finally found the culprit in North Carolina and recovered most of the wine. But, you know, it's like, I can't understand how somebody could go in and steal a whole bunch of wine from a well-known restaurant or wine shop. Well, I mean, <laughs> they if they know what they're after and they, there's value to what yeah. they're after, I mean, there's always a motive for a criminal, yeah. right? And Sadly. usually they're going after something really, really specific, really high-end, really rare. It's like, okay, you don't think people are going to come find this? <laughs> <laughs> you think you can just, you know, walk into the local um, auction house and sell it yourself? Right, right. Well, so sip, sip, hooray. We will, we will share the occasional scandal with you because scandals are interesting and <laughs> and also fun in their own way. And it's what everybody's talking about it at is. the water cooler. Right. We're on, you know, the water cooler version today is Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> All right. Hey, we told you earlier that we want to hear from you and we want to hear your wine questions. So we're going to kick it off with a great question that I'm guessing others have wondered about before. Hi, Mary and Mary. This is Karen from Los Gatos. I have a question about rosés. Is it really a blend of two different grapes or is it a special grape called the rosé grape? So Karen, that's a great question. And I'm not surprised you're not sure what rosé is because on the label, it usually just says rosé. Yeah, you're right. So rosé is often one grape, but it can also be a blend. And um, so sometimes they list it on the back of the label, sometimes they don't. But um, some of the common grapes that make rosé are 
Grenache, Cinso, Zinfandel, Syrah, Pinot Noir. Pinot, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you can make a rosé out of any grape that has red skins. Rosé is made by letting the skin sit in contact with the juice that's just been pressed for anywhere from a couple hours to a day or so. Um, then, then they take the juice off the skins. Um, and most red wine grapes, when you squeeze them, it's clear juice. So that's how red wine gets its colors from the skins. Right. And they don't want to let those skins sit too long because if they do, the color won't be so rosy and the taste will be a little bit more bitter. It, and um, it will be more of a red wine, mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. on its way to becoming a red wine. So um, rosé, but there's not one rosé grape varietal. There's many, but um, yes, a rosé maybe a varietal, maybe a blend. But you know, we join you in the um, rosé all day. <laughs> it's enjoyment. so popular it now. It is so popular. It has exploded in the last five years. I couldn't get over just this summer, just the different, um, uh, the different wineries making rosés now, and and wineries like devoted to entirely to rosé. Well, now when you walk into a wine store, there's like a whole wall of rosé. And I remember when we started the TV show, there was hardly any rosé to be found and most right. most people would not drink pink right it was a little bit embarrassing or something what? like you know boone's farm or something and now there's rosé and frosé <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's drinking pink and it is the perfect summer wine though i will add but my, you know what you mm. can drink it year-round it's not just for the summer anymore. Oh, you go, girl. What do you mean? So rosé is such a food-friendly wine. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, it goes because it kind of bridges. So it's a bridge between white and red. It goes with vegetarian dishes, with fish, with um, appetizers, but it also goes with chicken, pork, and um, maybe not, you know, a, a juicy grilled steak, but mm-hmm. you could certainly have lamb with it. That's great. So, yeah, no reason to just save it for the summer. Thank you, Karen, for that. That's a fun question. And uh, we want to hear your questions, too. If you have one, go to our website, sipsiphooraypodcast.com. You'll find a button and explains how to submit your question to us. So we're we're looking forward to hearing from you. And also, while you're at our website, you can find our social media channels on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. This has been a little taste of Sip Sip Hooray, our podcast, and we're going to be doing more shows like it. And as we said earlier, some shows devoted to interviews with interesting people in the wine world. Some of the folks coming up you will want to tune in to listen to are Dane Stark of Page Mill Winery in Livermore Valley, Randall Graham, the... the um, Our own ranger. Yes, the one and only Randall Graham. And we also have Rob Jensen from Testarossa Vineyards. And Rhonda Wood from Wood Family. And many more exciting, cool people for us to introduce you to. Yeah, we're just getting started on this and we're super excited to be doing it. And we hope you join us on this journey, as we said, and, and be our partners in this. We want it to be fun. So come along with us. Cheers and sip, sip, hooray. Sip, sip, hooray. 